Good morning, everyone. Hope you are having a good morning in a worship of our God. I wanted to start by mentioning a conversation I had with someone last week as the reason for the sermon this morning. So most of you know with Jim and Shirley, while they did not have children of their own, they had a lot of children in their lives. And one of their quote-unquote children was um, a young lady, Nomia, from Mongolia that was visiting here. And, and while she was here, um, she was able to worship with us a couple of times. And in, in the midst of the time we spent, she asked for us to, to get together and have some questions resolved for her because of her relationship with God. And, and one of the things that she was asking me was, how do I know what God's will is for my life? What's my calling? You know, I've been doing this job. I've seen just the, the evils of man in, in corporate life, and, and I'm, I don't know if maybe I've gotten into the right calling. And those are questions that she had. And 30 years of preaching, I've heard that many, many times. Like, how do I know that this is God's will for me? So that's a very fair question. And so I thought we'd look at that this morning, look at it from a very simplistic standpoint because I believe the scriptures give us this insight, if not explicitly, through a lot of the passages like the one we just read. And I'm hoping that that insight will help us in our understanding of that. And so the question is, how do I know what God's will is for me? Right? Anyone here ever asked that question? Okay, a lot of you nodding your head, some of you raising your hands. Yeah, that's a very obvious, a fair, natural question that we'll have from time to time. And so when we ask that question, we ask, how do I know? This is something that is typically um, in light of maybe the job that I'm taking. Is this my calling? You know, am I supposed to be a social worker? Am I supposed to go into law? And everyone's saying, no, never law. You know, <laughs> you know am I supposed to, you know, whatever the situation is with our jobs. And then we even get into like, you're married, and after so many years, I wonder, is this who God called me to marry? You know, Those are obvious, natural questions from time to time, especially when, when doubt arises in our lives, whether or not to have children. You know, is it God's will for us to have children? You know, and we, we look at the Bible passage, be fruitful and multiply. What, how many children are we supposed to have? Is this God's will? Right? And so those are very fair questions, and there's a lot of uh, peripheral questions that stem from that. And all of those things then become, for some of us, strong opinions, for some even dogmatic expressions, right? So, I mean, even to the point, if I can just go down this path for just a second, like, can you use birth control? I mean, we go from God's will to now that kind of question like that. It's, those are natural progressions. And so, is God calling me to, and then just fill in the blank, and how do I know that that is God's calling? So, I want it to be very, very clear. This, in my opinion, is not very hard to answer. Although it's been asked many, many times, and it seems um, kind of quizzical to me that this is an issue, but it's, an, it's one that needs to be tackled. And so, think about it. It's not God choosing your decisions. Let this sink in for a while. This will actually have some theological import for our Calvinistic friends, right? The, the mindset is God has chosen everything for you. And, and by means, I'm not trying to, to stir debate or um, 
the little uh, thoughts that you would have from a doctrinal standpoint. But when God made you, he made you in some ways likened unto him. Right? Genesis 1 verse 26, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Well, what does that mean? Right? Do we look handsome like him? Are we talking about physical characteristics? Or are we talking about his character? And how are we likened unto him with regard to his character? And what are some other insights into our being made in the image of God? How do we reflect that image in this world when he makes us this way and actually charges us to reflect his image? And I believe that has a lot to do with the fact that he makes us with the ability to have dominion. Right? Because Genesis 1, verse 27 through 30, he talks about having dominion over the birds of the air and over the, the creatures on land. And we're just reading of that, or we will read it next Sunday when we continue our Genesis 1 reading going into Genesis 2. And so all of these things give us the insight that if we're made to have dominion, we're going to have to make choices and decisions. How do we rule over these creations that God has put us over? And how do we then reflect his image? By virtue of the fact that we're made in his image. So all of this is already on the very beginning of scripture giving us insight that because we're made like him, we have, like him, a sense of sovereignty. And the idea of sovereignty is the fact that we can make decisions, we can make choices. And when we look further in scripture, we see that to be the case, right? When God was telling Adam, um, when he put him in the garden, he says, I want you to name all the animals. God got, I mean, Adam got to choose, I'm going to call you dog. You will be cat or, you know, feline, whatever it is going to be. And thus were the names of all of God's creations here on, on earth. So he make us, made us this way to be sovereign in a limited sense, right? Because we're not God. We're made like him, but we're not him. But also he made us to be diverse. Think about it. Just in this one room, let alone this planet earth, what are your interests? Like, some of us love sports in this room, and some of us could just care less or couldn't care less, right? Some of us um, love numbers, and some of us throw up when we hear numbers. That's, I mean, it's just, we get, ugh, it's like an aversion. We dread numbers for some of us in this room. And so we, we talk about the diversity. Some love art, and some look at that as just colors, whether it's art from a visual standpoint or even an auditory standpoint. Some of us, when we dress, we dress, you know, very different from other people. Some of us just stand out that way because we are diverse. God made us that way. That's just in this room, right? So from all of our interests, from all of our activities, all of our endeavors, we see diversity from that standpoint. And we see it just in creation. I mean, think about all the kinds of dogs we have today. Talk about diversity of just one kind of animal. I mean, you have dogs that you can fit in your pocket. And you got dogs that look like mini horses. Just absolutely just blows my mind, the diversity of God's creation. And, of course, we can see it in every facet of his creation. That tells me that just as our creative God has made man in his image, he's made us with such great diversity because we're going to use it with the choices that we make. Okay, We're going to see that as we unfold more with scriptures. And so I want you to notice, when it came to the passage that was read for us um, by Eric just a few moments ago, I want you to note, it was not so much that 
you can or cannot be a soldier. You can or cannot be a tax collector. It was not so much about that. It was a matter of, I am a soldier. What do I do? I'm a tax collector. What do I do? I want you to go back to that text. I want to, I want to read that text one more time, and I want you to see where the import of God's calling comes into play. All right? So here is John the Baptist. He is preaching, and he's wanting the Israelites to have a mindset that is set on God as he prepares the way for the coming Messiah. Right? So he's baptizing them and telling them to have fruits worthy of repentance. And in the midst of all these um, conversations, you have people that are coming to him and asking him questions. So again, notice. He says to the people who ask him, what shall we do? He says, he who has two tunics, let him give it to the one who has none. You know, what are you going to, what's God's will? I'll tell you what God's will is. You see someone without and you have, go help them. He who has food, do the same thing. You have and they don't, go help them. Tax collectors, specifically tax collectors are coming up to him. And they're asking, well, what do we do? I mean, think about it. They're despised by their Jewish brethren. All he says is, to them to do very, very clearly um, how they're going to listen is, or, or to follow God's will and do his will is, hey, collect no more than what's appointed for you. Be fair. All right? Soldiers come to him. You know, we're soldiers. And, you know, today I think it's a very, very telling thing that, that um, our society seems to be having a shift in its view with regard to first-line responders by at least a segment within our population. And what do we ask? Well, what do we do? How do we live to the glory of God? He says, don't intimidate anyone. Don't accuse falsely. <coughs> Be content with your wages. Can you see where this is going? It's not so much that is it God's will for someone to be a soldier or not be a soldier? That's a debate we had in our country from about 150 years ago, and we still have it today. My brethren, John the Baptist was not dealing with that. He was just saying, okay, you're a soldier. Here's how I want you to treat people. Tax collector, here's how I want you to treat people. When you have food, when you have clothing, here's how I want you to treat people. Hopefully you're getting to see just on this one passage alone that God is more interested in how we fulfill his will as a diverse group of individuals with a diverse group of, of lifestyles. Just as we can see within the body of Christ where we are one body made up of many diverse members. How do we, through this diversity, fulfill the calling within the body of Christ? And that's what we see um, exemplified in this one passage, let alone many other passages that we could be looking at. And so... Whatever my choices are, right, whatever my endeavors are, do it to the glory of God. For instance, when we look at passages like this, we, we use Colossians chapter 3. And by the way, Colossians chapter 3, when, you, when we talk about how we give thanks to God in all things and do all things in his name, it's not a passage that was meant from what Paul was dealing with in that section of scripture, was not meant with a study book on Bible authority. That was not his intent. All right? Look at what his intent is. In fact, we go back just from Colossians 2 and Colossians 3. 
He's showing the difference between um, those who have this wisdom from above and those from below and, and you know, uh, philosophical mindset of mankind versus a heavenly mindset. And he's trying to show them how you think like God. Well, Colossians chapter 3. I'm going to pick up, um, let me see if I can go on from verse 10 following, if I'm not mistaken. Let me get there first. Yeah, let's hear. Yeah, verse 12. He says, As the elect of God, holy and beloved brethren, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another, forgiving one another, if anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you. So you must also do. What does it sound like to you? It sounds like not so much like, hey, do this job or do that job, but whatever you're, however you're living, here's how I want you to treat people. This is the character of someone who reflects the image of God because he created you as image reflectors, right? So, above all these things, verse 14, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. Let the peace of God rule in your hearts to which you were thankful and called in one body and be thankful. It is with that in mind that he says this, right? Whatever you're doing, here's how I want you to treat people. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, so he's saying, as a beloved body of Jesus, full of all kinds of members, if you will, put on all these qualities of God's image. So let God's word richly dwell with you, within you, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts of the Lord. This is how I want you to be thankful, he says. And whatever you do, whatever your endeavor... Anything that you do, do it in the name of the Lord Jesus. Why? Because you're the elect of him. You're his people. That's God's calling right there. Be merciful toward others. Be long-suffering. Bear with one another. Forgive one another. If, un if you have a complaint against another, remember, Christ forgave you. That's what you need to do. That's what he's talking about here, very explicitly. That's his calling, right? Similarly, in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, if you, go, if you go back from chapter 8, read from chapter 8, chapter 9, the apostle is talking about relationships, right? You have a conscience over here that says, here's what we can do with regard to meats that have been offered to idols. Here's a conscience, and, and they're on opposing ends. And so he deals with that in chapter 8. In chapter 9, he uses himself as an example and says, I am all things to all men that some may be saved. And he continues with that mindset of how your conscience is toward other people. He's actually dealing with God's calling in how we treat one another. And so, continuing on, in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, he makes it very, very clear of how you to live your life. Notice what he says in verse 12, I'm going to read from verse 12 all the way, um, well, not all the way through, but um, I'm in the wrong, I'm in 2 Corinthians, my bad. In 1 Corinthians 10, he says over here very, very clearly, verse 24. Do you not know that those who run in a race all run? You know what chapter I'm in now? <laughs> it's two weeks in a row. Oh, my goodness. Chapter 10. Toward the last part of the um, verses, beginning in verse 23. Yeah, there we go. Right chapter. All things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. 
All things are lawful for me, but not all things edify. Let no one seek his own, but each other's well-being. Yeah, this theme is very clear in Scripture. Eat whatever is sold in the meat market, asking no questions for conscience' sake, because the earth is the Lord's and all its fullness. If any of those who do not believe invite you to dinner, and then you desire to go, eat whatever is set before you, asking no question for conscience' sake. However, if anyone says to you, this was offered to idols, don't eat it for the sake of the one who told you, and for conscience' sake, why? Because the earth is the Lord and all its fullness. Conscience. I say not your own, but of the other person. For why is my liberty judged by another man's conscience? Therefore, if I partake with thanks, why am I evil spoken of for the food for which I give thanks? Therefore, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God, giving no offense either to Jews or Greeks, to the church of God, just as I please all men in all things, not seeking my own profit, but the profit of many, that they may be saved. You want to know what God's calling is? It's right here. And there are many other passages beyond these two very explicit ones. Right? And so the idea is, if I'm going to choose a job, will I be able to glorify God in the job that I choose? Now, Hopefully, we're all beyond the very simplistic mindset of Christian. Well, you know, you just can't choose any job because there's some jobs that are ungodly. Let all that be very clear as the caveat. Naturally, you're not going to choose a, a job that is going to be sinful in and of itself. What we do, however, is sometimes we appoint morality to certain jobs. For instance, lawyers, right? Because there's no good lawyer. It's like no good Cretans. There's no good lawyer. And yet, how many of us know Christians who are lawyers? Right? I got to talk to <laughs> Don and Linda's son for a little bit. And he's a lawyer. You know, whatever you choose, can you reflect the image of God? Because there are other professions that sometimes we appoint moral ramifications to it. I was told explicitly years ago, Mitch, if you chose, you could not be a school administrator. Mitch, you could not be a politician because to do so would mean that you are going against God. <clears throat> no different than, hey, John the Baptist, what you should have told the people was you cannot be tax collectors and you cannot be soldiers. If that was the case. But he didn't say then. That was not the case. The same thing is you can be a politician. You can be a, a police officer. You can go into the military. You can be a lawyer. You can. But when you choose whatever you choose, do it unto the glory of God, whatever your endeavor. Reflect the image of God as a lawyer, as a IRS auditor, as a janitor, as a school administrator, whatever your vocation, whoever you choose, it's not so much that uh, I'm, I'm looking at Julian. I love my bride, right? But it's like if I choose her, did I make the wrong choice or right choice? 
It's a choice God gave me, the freedom to choose with the choice to love her with all my heart and her choice to love me with all her heart. Just as you all make those choices. That's the beautiful gift that God has given to us. And so how do we emulate his image? Regardless of our choice, we emulate it by emulating him through those choices. So I'll choose knowing that it is God's will for me to reflect him whatever the endeavor is going to be. And therein lies the main issue. And so I want to finish with this, this passage right here. Proverbs 16, verse 9. This will help us because we've quoted this many, many times. And I'm wanting to just kind of paraphrase uh, in white what I believe the author is saying here. The mind of man plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. If you understand it with the, the same um, mindset that God made us in his image to reflect his image so that no matter what our choices are, we are guided by him through those choices. Right? When I was in college, and I, I told Miss Linda this, when I was in college, my plan was to become a trial lawyer. But I was also thinking, this is before, again, before being a Christian, in my mind I'm thinking, but I also want to work with children because I want to be a wrestling coach. Those are my choices that I was making. And after I became a Christian, my choices began to change. My choice was, you know, I want to stay in the mainland, not go back to Hawaii because I'm now a Christian. My choice was, I want to be a school teacher. And I want to work with special needs children. And I want to do it in this capacity. And then my choice changed. It's like, now I have an opportunity to share God's word. And there are churches wanting to ask by their choices if I would work and preach um, for this, whatever the congregations were. And I changed my mind. I didn't want to be a school teacher anymore. I retired. <laughs> right? And so I, be I began to preach a choice that I made. And in all those choices, was I seeking God? And every choice was, yes. <clears throat> After becoming a Christian and I wanted to stay in the mainland, it's because I'm seeking God. Whether I become a um, gospel preacher, if I decide to work at Best Buy because I love electronics, whatever the choice, I can do it to his glory, right? And so it's my choice, man's choice. The mind of man plans his way. But because I love God, Sorry, because I you love God, Because I love God, <laughs> right? So as a result, I'm going to follow, I'm going to follow his will. Perfect timing. <laughs> so you see what I'm saying? God gives us these choices. When you're asking, is this God's will? The question is, God's will is already specific. Glorify him in every endeavor you make, right? You choose when you decide you want to retire, maybe out of necessity, uh, maybe it's because of financial reasons you decide to work longer or, or you say, I, I figure we can go ahead and retire now. It's choices you make, but do you glorify God when you continue to work or you are going to be retired? How do you use your time? All of these choices, we reflect his image because we are made in his image to be sovereign individuals with all the diversity that makes up the beautiful body of Jesus Christ. So think about that. And let that be the assurance that whatever you choose, as long as it's done unto his glory, 
to magnify his name, to use it for your desires is a good thing. But remember as Jesus was making his choice to go to the cross, his mindset was, and this is the mindset we should have, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. And he made, it was his choice to go to the cross because it pleased his father. That was something specific that God had intended. We're not talking about the same thing for us, right? Until God specifically calls you in a miraculous divine way that I've not seen in scripture for us today, then all things are open that you can choose to do and magnify him through those choices. Right now, you have yet another choice. Think about it. You can, if you are not a child of God, you can choose to say, I want in on this kingdom. I want to follow God. I don't want to do my will. I want to do his will so that through these choices, I submit my life to you, dear God. That's the invitation God gives to you through the blood of Jesus, that you can die with him in the likeness of his death because you're made in his image, that you may rise to walk in newness of life just as Jesus rose from the dead in his image. You can reflect him. So if you believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and want to die to sin and be raised to walk in newness of, of life through that watery grave called baptism, there's your invitation. You choose. We want you to choose the good life, the eternal life. And brethren, if you choose to say, I need prayers. I'm struggling right now. You can choose to be vulnerable and open up and ask for prayers on your behalf. You choose, but do it all to the glory of God as together we stand and sing.